we pray this message blesses and encourages you. Praise God. It's so good, isn't it, to be able to gather in the house of the Lord today. And let's get right into the word. Um, welcome to all those online, and we love you, and we bless you. And as Pastor Des said at the start, we hope to see you here physically uh, next week. We're in our series called The Storyteller, and we're looking at the greatest storyteller of all time, the greatest Shanachie that ever lived, the one that was able to take things of eternal complex complexity and make them really simple for us to understand, to take in, to see ourselves in and be able to relate to our hearts so that we could connect with God and we could understand the workings of God. Uh, and today I've the joy to speak about the vineyard. And before we get to the parable in Matthew, which is where we are this series and what we're looking at in our life groups as well, as we examine the word midweek that's preached on the Sunday, uh, I just want to set up this parable before we get into it. The parable that we're going to turn to today says that the kingdom of heaven is like, and then it goes in to the parable. And it's going to mention a landowner, and it's going to mention workers, and it's going to mention a vineyard. And so you know, uh, and, and taking nothing for granted, I would certainly appreciate this if I was sitting where you're sitting. The, the landowner represents God. We are the workers, uh, and the vineyard is his kingdom, or is the kingdom of heaven, is heaven. The place that we all want to be, the place that we all want to be. What I, what I find incredible is whenever I speak to anyone from any walk of life in whatever part of Dublin or Ireland, everyone wants to go to heaven. I've never met anyone that doesn't want to go to heaven. Even friends who are atheists, they say, well, look, if there is a God, I do hope I end up in heaven. And, and it's, it's interesting because whenever I'm going anywhere, I usually make preparations to go to that place. Do you? Like, when we're going on holidays, I don't say to Susan, I hope there's a Portugal. And I, I kind of hope that we end up there because there's no sun in Ireland. So we're hoping that there's sun in Portugal. I, I, and we kind of, we live with this kind of vague hope. No, we don't. No, we don't. In fact, in everything in our lives, we make sure that everything is copper fastened, that we received a confirmation email, that our money hasn't been badly spent and it's gone to a reputable person carrier. We have life assurance. We have life insurance. We underwrite everything except our souls. Except, except our souls. Anyway, so who cares about eternity? We all, we all want to go there. We all want to go to heaven. Everybody loves the thought of heaven. And sure isn't it where everyone ends up? The Lord bless us. And, and how many times have we been with loved ones and people that we're just mad about? And we have this kind of looseness. We don't have any looseness with any other journey. Organize, make sure petrol's in the tank. But with heaven, we have a looseness. Asher, look. Isn't this where everyone ends up? God bless us, Begara, and isn't it great? But biblically, everyone doesn't end up there. Biblically, and from the understanding of Jesus Christ himself, who's so loving and so merciful and so caring, not everyone ends up there. And with these sort of conversations and with these sort of parables and looking at the scriptures, you would love as the preacher, as the speaker, for it to be so much easier 
for it to be so much more palatable, for it not to cause offence. What I've learned in my life is that real truth always offends the lie in me. Have you ever found that? Real truth really goes to war on any wrong thinking in me, on any position of mine that's not right. And Jesus was never afraid that speaking truth was going to offend hearts. In fact, he hoped it would cause a reaction and would stir people. Oh, we're living in the days of your truth. We're living in the days of your truth. I want to live my days in his truth. I want to live my days in the truth of the Bible. In these days of so many persuading conversations and thoughts and philosophies and opinions, I, I, I don't want to base any trip that I do on people's opinions. I, I want to do the research. I want to get it in. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know that we have what it takes to get there. I want it to be a blessed assurance. And I pray that is our hearts for everyone here as well. We're going to see in this parable how we can end up in heaven. In this parable, we're going to see how God's economy works. In this parable, we're going to see the heart of God. In this parable, we're going to see the heart of man. In this parable today, we're going to see ourselves. And that's the way parables work, and that's why Jesus is the master storyteller. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 16 is where we're going if you're taking notes. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius. Someone said it's about 4p in old money. 4p. Uh, he agreed to pay them a denarius, four cents, uh, for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So they went. <laughs> Steffi, will you move on to the next one? Thank you. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they said, thank you so much. Thank you for the work. Thank you for... No, when they received it, they were Irish workers, and they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, because we have the union, and we took a note, and the fella told me, and I saw them walking in, and to look at the state of them. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for the denarius at the start of the day? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was, who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And so then Jesus frames it with the sentence, so the last will be first and the first will be last. I love this parable. 
And there's so much in this parable. And even in getting my heart right and preparing this message today, the first temptation is to go with that statement in verse 16, the last will be first and the first will be last. That would be where I would normally go with this. But there's so much in this. And I just want to go to a different place today. I I want us to, to think about things that the Lord would have us never do. Please never do this. And the example is found in the scripture. The first never that we have in the vineyard today is that the Lord would would ask that we would never forget. Never forget the privilege and joy of being chosen. Think Think about the heat of the day. Think about longing to be picked, to be chosen, so that you will get a denarius, so that you can feed your child, your children, you can bless your wife, you can bring home something for that day to your family. No social welfare. No place that you can fall back into or onto. It's all upon you to get some work anywhere. Get work anywhere so that we can eat today. Picture yourself there. Picture yourself in the unforgiving heat. The sun is beating down upon you. For all of your best intentions, you're trying to look strong. You're trying to look pickable. It brings back memories, doesn't it, of those horrible times in school yards or on football pitches when we were all put against the wall and two captains were picked and he went, who do you pick and who do you pick? And, and you know, it was a whittle down and you hadn't been picked yet. And you were there going, please, Lord, let me be chosen next. Please let me be chosen next. And God help us. What normally happened was there was two people left and they were always the goalkeepers even though they didn't want to be the goalkeepers, but they were chosen to be goalkeepers because they were the last. Never forget the joy of being chosen. That joy in your heart when you are the first pick, when you are the one that was picked before being the last pick. And seeing that actually in this parable, it really doesn't matter because even if you're the last pick in the kingdom of God, you get treated like the first picked. But that can only happen in the kingdom of God and in the economy of God. But never, ever, ever, ever lose sight or forget about the joy of being chosen. We're not calling ourselves the exclusive brethren. We live in such a way that we desire that all people would know that God desires that all people should be saved. So we don't use that sense of being chosen as, oh, look at me, I'm so brilliant and you're so hedonistic. God help us. When you have gratitude in your heart, you'll always live with gratitude and not judgment. And you'll always be so grateful that God chose you in spite of yourself and that everybody has the opportunity to be chosen if they would just make themselves available to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Never forget the privilege of being a laborer in the vineyard of the Lord, the privilege of being a servant of the Lord. I love the heart of Psalm 84. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Any labor, even if it's holding a door, welcome, 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 welcome. I'd rather do that than dwell in the tents of the wicked with all of their pleasures and all of their temptations. Because when we get to labor for the Lord, we are blessed, no matter what it is, in what season, whatever we get to do, we are blessed. Whatever the Lord asks us to do, whatever we're asked to do in the body of Christ, what a blessing. What a blessing, wherever it is, whenever it is, what a blessing. And that shows our hearts and our focus is on God. 
Thank you that I get to serve you. Wherever, whenever. Hallelujah. And that shows our right heart because our heart isn't on the specifics of what we're doing and where we should really be. Our specific is on God's, where our hearts are always meant to be, where God wants us focused all of the time. Never forget the blessings of labor. There is nothing more dehumanizing in this world than a man who is unemployed. A man, a woman whose talents are rusting in idleness because there's nothing for them to do. This, you know, Pastor Des shared about that time, his mom was single mom, six children, the hamper, the difference that it made. I, I can remember when my dad got a job after a decade of being unemployed. I, I know the impact. I know the hell of unemployment and what it does to a man and what it does to a family. I know all that stuff because we lived through that for a decade. And to say it's demoralizing and dehumanizing and it's an experience of hell because hell is a place of purposelessness and the kingdom of heaven is a place of purpose. And there's such a difference there. And God always desires purpose for his people, not idleness, not laziness, but purpose because that's where fulfillment comes. And when we understand that there are other blessings to labor, like we get purpose, we, we, we have an understanding of benefits and provision for life and for future. Uh, we understand it means bread. We understand it means a roof over our heads. We understand it leads to shelter and security. We can see all of the benefits of labor and being used in the workforce, so to speak. Never forget the benefits of laboring as unto the Lord. Because whatever great labor we do as unto the state, the economy that we're in, all of it will pass away. But whenever we labor unto the Lord, we're storing up treasures in heaven. And we're storing up that which will never, ever fade away. Whatever we labor unto the Lord and we have an impact, it's truly incredible. The last never forget that I'd say to you in this parable, brothers and sisters, is this. Never forget the heart of God. Five times in this story, he goes out looking for people. Five times. He doesn't send his servants. He doesn't say to his right-hand man or woman, listen, time to get out there, bring in more laborers. He himself goes. Isn't that what Jesus did by coming to earth? God himself comes to earth. It wouldn't have missed the minds of those listening. Why is the landowner going out and trying to find these people? Why wouldn't he send out one of his servants to get the hired hands? Jesus is here trying to express the heart of God. Jesus is here trying to express the heart of God who would come himself and seek out those who were idle and in need, those who were lost, those who were lacking purpose. He goes out and he begins to seek and he goes out with a heart to bring in the needy. And he goes out seeking to bless those who are in desperate places. And as the day progresses, we see that the boss is less concerned with works. Way to heaven here, folks. The landowner is less concerned with works and more concerned with finding people he can bless. 
Because the hours of work are diminishing. The window for work is diminishing. It's diminishing, diminishing, diminishing. And it's kind of going, is this fella off his head? There's only an hour left and he's still going out because his heart isn't so much about the works. It's about his heart for those who are in need. We get to heaven through the mercy of the landowner, through the mercy and grace of the boss through the love of God. That's how we get to heaven. Not our works. Not not our works. But we get there through the mercy and grace of the landowner. Are you waiting expectantly for the boss, for the landowner, for the master? Are you positioning yourself to be used by him? Are you making yourself available? For the King of Kings, for the Lord of Lords, never forget his heart towards you. Praise the Lord, here we go, never grumble. God bless you. Next point. Verse 11, when they received it, what was it? Their agreed pay, their agreed pay, what they agreed they would receive at the very beginning of the day. They began to grumble against the landowner, against the landowner. At 6 a.m., which was when the first hour begins, 6 a.m., he was the best. He was the best, most generous leader that there'd ever been. My Lord, we got up early. The early bird catches the worm. We were chosen first for the team. We got on the team. We got to the vineyard. I'll be able to bring home some pay to the missus this evening. I'll be able to bless the children. Might even get them a pack of M&Ms on the way home. I don't know. I'm feeling generous. But at 6 a.m., the landowner was fantastic. He was amazing. The price was agreed. The work was committed to. But then it all changed. By 6 p.m., He wasn't that nice, and he wasn't that good. Isn't it amazing the way that the enemy can get into our thoughts pertaining to God, where we're tempted to doubt his goodness and his mercy and grace. Isn't it interesting in in churches or in businesses or wherever that where we can start and we're we're loving the manager, loving the leader, and then by the end of the week, we want them dead. They were, they were thinking, what was the trajectory? What happened there? Did the leader change? Did God change? The leader might have been nasty. Who knows? But like, more, more often than not, something happens in me. As I'm going from Monday to Friday, as I'm going from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., it's normally what happens in me that impacts the way that I see. It's sad to say, and, and it's and it's... It's so common amongst pastors and leaders and ministers that normally with a fresh move of God, normally with a fresh intake of new believers, or normally with a change of direction in a church, it's the people here the longest who complain the most. And I would absolutely love to be able to say that that's not my experience, but that has been the experience of so many of us throughout the years. If we Christians for years claim to have a place of special honor, we miss 
the understanding of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. If just because we're here a bit longer than you are, and you're a bit lower than us, or less significant than us, or I've got pride of place, or my seat in the church, if that's my mentality, I'm not getting the kingdom of heaven. I'm not getting the kingdom of God. I'm not getting the economy of God. One pastor wrote, there are people who think that because they've been members of a church for a long time, the church practically belongs to them. And that they can dictate its policies. Such people resent what seems to them as the intrusion of new blood. Get ye behind me. Or the rise of a new generation with different plans and different ways. In the Christian church, seniority does not necessarily mean extra place of honor. I bless the Lord that one of the great things that I can say about being part of St. Mark's is that we're consistently trying to change and trying to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We're consistently looking for the fresh manna because we believe that yesterday's manna is stale. Amen? And there's always a desire to keep pressing and pushing. And it leads, it leads, of course it leads to tensions of change. And of course it leads to challenges. Of course it does. That's life. That's life in my own home. That's life in my marriage. Change and all of these things always brings tensions and challenges all the time. But it's always that stretching, that becoming bigger in our hearts. It's always for the betterment of our life experience. And when I think even of what happened here on Wednesday evening, and, and you know that there was a chapel got together with Open Circle, and there was 600 young adults worshiping Jesus in this place. And, and there was people on a waiting list, 58 people that didn't get in. And you kind of go, like, Lord, I can remember, we can remember days we were meeting with Ella Sullivan talking about the queue of young adults outside this building trying to get in. And, and, and you live in days of fulfilled vision of what God had in his heart towards this building, towards this place, whatever we could lend ourselves to. And do we rejoice? Mm, sometimes, God. Do we grumble? Lots of times. Lots of times. And it's meant to be the other way around. With a world full of grumblers and complainers, you'd wonder if God can ever win with human beings. Poor God. You have God dealing with people who are saying, God, that's not fair. God, that's not fair. They're getting the same pay as me, and I've been here since 6 a.m. God, that's not fair. And then you've got people complaining, God, you're too fair. Sorry, am I not fair or am I too fair? I just hate when you treat people equally. Really annoys me. Because I would like to be treated better in your equal loving. Never grumble. Never grumble in the face of a gracious, compassionate God. You know in the scriptures, God hates grumbling. Why did many people not follow Joshua into the promised land? Because of their grumbling. Grumbling, excess in, no. Madness, they were crazy heads, no. They didn't get in because of their grumbling. Grumbling expresses ingratitude and ungratefulness. It's the opposite of thankfulness, which is what we've been encouraged to be part of today. Philippines 2, do everything, verse 14, do everything without grumbling, do everything without grumbling, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, the children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Hallelujah. 
Who knew that the thing that would cause me to shine most was if I grumbled the least? I think that grumbling comes from people who think that someone has pulled a fast one on them or the boss is withholding something from me. I think, I think God's withholding something from me. But our God, our Lord, our landowner is so generous, so compassionate and so gracious. Going back to Psalm 84, remember where I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. When we look at verses 10 to 11, it says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. This is our God. And this is the next point. Never envy. Verse 15 said, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous, says the Lord. What a question to our hearts today, brothers and sisters. Are you ever envious because God is generous? Well, well of course we're going to say, because we've got our Sunday smiles on. No, I'm never envious, Sean. I'm never envious. But sometimes, sometimes we come to church and it's interesting that in the King James it would be called the evil eye, which is the translation for envy in the King James Version. But when you come, in, when you come into church and you kind of give the evil eye, why is the Lord blessing that person more than me at this time? How come, how come they be, seem to be getting all the breaks? How, how come... How come they found their perfect partner? How come they got promotion? How come, how come, how come? The voice of envy, how come, how come? And if we are a church, which Pastor Des said, and I believe it's true, that celebrates, then when other people have wins, we celebrate their wins. And one of the ways to work against envy is to celebrate other people's wins. And when we celebrate people and their wins and their breakthroughs and when we celebrate their new seasons and when we celebrate their, their new jumpers and when we celebrate whatever's going on in their life that's worth celebrating, that keeps us safe from envy. That keeps us safe from envy. So in the context of the parable, when the person came in at 12, when the person came in at 3, when the person came in at 5 p.m. with an hour to go before closing time at work, we would have been there going, isn't it fantastic that they were able to get more people in just before we stopped working? Isn't it fantastic that more people will be blessed now this evening, that more families will have food to eat? Isn't it fantastic that more people were found to work in this vineyard? What a joy! Now, if I'm honest, if I'd been there at 6 a.m. and my head was busted with the heat and my back was busted with the work, I would have said that I would have been a bit envious and that I would have been there probably in my heart going, who do they think they are? Who do they think they are coming in for an hour's work when I've been here since 6 a.m.? Who do they think coming into my church when I've been here 25.6 years? Who do they think they are? I am going to give them a piece of my mind. 
and I love them and I bless them and I pray for them, but they will get a piece of my mind. Envy, the Lord just wants to store up envy and being envious and giving the evil eye all the time. Are you envious because God is generous? The New Testament has a lot to say against envy. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, brothers and sisters, we hear it at every wedding and we still don't take it in. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't envy. 1 Peter 2, verse 1, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. James 3:16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Unbelievable. Envy leads to evil practice. Galatians 5, 19 to 21, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Whoever thought that envy and sexual immorality would be put on the same par. And so we'll have our marches about sexuality out in the roads, and we'll never have a march against envy. And what are you doing with that placard? Oh, I'm against envy. Why? Well, it's on the same list as sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery and idolatry and witchcraft. All right. Envy certainly is something that we can do something about today. How do I do something about it? I celebrate no matter what time the workers come into the vineyard in Jesus' name. And our last one is never quit. Matthew 9.37, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And when you have your sights fixed on the graciousness and generosity of God and your eyes are fixed on the harvest, you don't care how many workers he brings in. In fact, you rejoice with every worker that comes in and you never care what time they come into the vineyard. You're just so thrilled that another harvester has come in and another saving pair of hands has come in. Are you expectant that the boss is coming back there's such a temptation in the days that we're living in, days of mass confusion, fake news, days of AI being touted as the next great shift within world, wars going on, earthquakes. Another one there recently in Nepal, it just seems to be going weirdly crazy at the moment. There's such a temptation for people to quit, but if ever you needed to stay in the marketplace and hang around and make yourself available for the king, it's now. Anticipate that he has a place for you. Anticipate that he will come out looking for you to be a part of his great salvation plan. Please never give up, never go home. Even though it's 5 p.m. and you know that work finishes at 6 p.m., please still don't go home. Don't quit. Stay there because he's always en route. He's always seeking to find. He's always going out to seek and save and find the lost. This is our God. This is the gracious landowner. And we need to be people who have that healthy understanding of waiting. Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, and they will mount up on wings like eagles, and they will run, and they will not be weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Lamentations 3, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who truly seeks him. And so we wait 
and it might be that we're waiting in the street corner, and it might be that we're waiting in the heat of our troubled times, and it might be that we're waiting in the heat of the marketplace, but stay, don't quit on your Christianity. Don't, don't quit on being a believer. Don't quit on being a light at this time, because the Lord is looking for people that he can use in his vineyard to bring in the harvest before it's 6 p.m. and all work finishes. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, can we all stand? And I'll just close with a prayer. And Sorry, worship team, we just don't have the time to close out with a worship song. It's so important for us to remember, brothers and sisters, in these days, in these days that resemble very closely the scriptural descriptions of end times. Sean, are you trying to frighten me, freak me out? No, 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 there's, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of where the Lord wants us. But the Lord wants us to remind us that there are people in the marketplace people on the street corners, without hope and without purpose. And we carry the riches of heaven within us. We carry the purse of the landowner. We carry the rewards of heaven. Let's invite them to the vineyard where Jesus is the true vine and our father is the landowner. In this vineyard, there is a landowner less concerned about work and works and more concerned with reward and blessings and grace and mercy. And that's how we get into heaven, through the finished work of our master, the generosity and mercy of the Father, our boss, and our God. Lord, I want to thank you so much for challenging me so much in this word, Lord. Lord, the amount of repenting I had to do about my grumbling and my evil eye, Lord, and my envy, Lord Jesus. The amount of times, oh God, even in ministry where I've been tempted to quit, Lord Jesus. And oh God, just that sense, oh God, of, of being so forgetful. And thank you for communion time where you say, do this in remembrance of me because, Sean, you're going to forget. So, so do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, I, I want to thank you so much for all that you've spoken to me through this message today, Lord God. And I pray that if my brothers and sisters have received anything, Lord God, that Lord, in Jesus' name, you would take us, Lord God, and put us to work this week, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we're, we're turning up, Lord God. It's, it's the 10 a.m. service, and, and we've been brought in. It's not 6 a.m., but it, it's 10 a.m., Lord God. And Lord God, I pray in, in Jesus' name, Lord God, even at this time, 11.16, even after an hour and 15 minutes of work, Lord Jesus, that we would be sent out, Lord God, to do your bidding, to do your inviting, to do, Lord God, your kingdom business, functioning under the economy and in the economy of God, functioning with the heart of the generous master, Lord God. Help us to go out, Lord God, to celebrate people and celebrate life, Lord God. Help us to go out, Lord God, so that, Lord Jesus, it will even be desirous of people to come to the vineyard of the king and to put their labors there. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you encourage every single person in this place? Would you lift hearts? Would you encourage minds? Would you remind us how precious we are to you, Lord God? And that, Lord Jesus, you desire that we would feel celebrated by you, that we would feel provided for by you, that we would feel chosen by you, and that we, Lord Jesus, would know that we belong in this vineyard 
in this kingdom, in your heaven. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like any more information, please visit stmarkcity.ie. Have a very blessed week.